Hello, and welcome to Sensing Niku. I'm Emma, a Niku mum, a peer support volunteer, and a secondary school teacher. In this podcast, I'll be chatting to people who have experienced neonatal care, mums and dads, friends and families, doctors and nurses, people who, in any capacity, understand the scary, emotional, uplifting, and sometimes devastating journey that time spent on NICU can be. Using the five senses, we will explore the thoughts and feelings that encompass the experience, accessing memories formed by sight, smell, touch, taste, and sound that may have, until now, been locked away. This week, I'll be chatting to Kirsten, who had a suspected placental abruption in the early stages of her third pregnancy, which led to her son, Tom, being born at just 24 weeks. Kirsten's experience on NICU inspired her to set up Spoons, a charity whose aim is to holistically support families experiencing neonatal care in the Greater Manchester area. Through the provision of peer-to-peer support, signposting, financial support and trauma therapy, they help families to navigate their journey from admission to the neonatal unit and beyond. Thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast. Um, I know it's probably a bit weird for you to be revisiting your story after so long because being part of Spoons, your job is to focus on other families and their stories. So I should imagine thinking back to to your time with Tom on the unit has been a bit of a flashback and uh, a bit strange for you. But this is about you. This is about you and Tom. So if you could just tell us how... How did you end up on the unit? What happened? Um, so Tom was my third baby um, and the other two were both born at 42 weeks, um, <laughs> both induced at 42 weeks. So I never expected ever that I would have a, an earlier baby. Um, it was it was due the end of April um, and I, I used to joke and moan to everybody that it'd be May, it'd definitely be a May baby. Right. Um and then on Christmas Eve, we was in Northern Ireland, um, staying with my in-laws, um, and I had a bleed. Um, and we went to the hospital and they said, you know, everything looked fine. They couldn't find it. They, they just thought it was just one of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we managed to get home because we'd gone, we hadn't flown over, we'd gone on the boat. So they let me go home Um a couple of days later and then on the 2nd of January I had another massive bleed took myself off to the maternity assessment unit down at North Manchester on my own because I just thought I'd just get checked out didn't take Gareth with me at all mm. um got got there um and they said do, do you mind if we examine you while you're here and I was like yeah it's fine no problem um, and they said that my um, I was two centimetres dilated and my waters was um, protruding so they could kind of, they, they knew that something was going on um, and I, they asked me to ring Gareth obviously straight away and he came down to the hospital and I think I was at Oldham um, within about two hours because where he should have been born at North Manchester, they don't take babies that early. And the neonatal unit, right. they don't take babies under 30 weeks, I think. Right. And it was 24 weeks exactly to the day. Gosh. Yeah, it's crazy. Right. You were there and... Um... Straight over to Oldham in, in an ambulance um, right. and had some steroids, had some other drugs to try and stop my labour, which it did for a couple of days. Um was put on bed rest and he, he was born a few days later. 
by a C-section or...? No, natural, completely natural. It was literally a case of, I feel like something's going on, and then he arrived. It it was was about two hours, I think. Gosh. Um, Yeah, very, very, very quick. We'll just we'll just dive straight back straight into uh, the senses. So we we're always starting with sound and uh-huh. uh, what kind of sounds do you remember from your time there? It might be um, a song, it could be a conversation that you had, it could be a phrase that always sticks in your head. Uh, you tell me what can you remember from that time. Um, there's a few things when I think about sound. The first one is the sound of the vent because um, the beeps and the, the monitors, they, 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 they bothered me, um, as in they annoyed me more than anything because right. they never stopped. Um, yeah. But the sound of the vent, it was a really distinct sound. And yeah. even now, I, it, I, I can't bear to hear it. it you know, even I, I'm on the unit all the time and that's the one noise that really bothers me. And I can be out somewhere and I'll hear something that's just similar, does not even the same, just similar. And it still makes me feel a bit, it makes me go a bit cold. Right. Um, that, that was the noise that really bothered me. And I, I think it's because in the, in the very early days when he was really sick, I, I watched all the machines and I watched and I was obsessed with how many breaths he was trying to take when he was on the ventilator. Yeah. And it was just, it's a really strange, you'll, you'll know the noise, Emma. Um, it's really strange. I, I don't think I can remember it now, but I think if I heard it, it would probably come back to me. It sounds almost musical as well. It's like, it's just a really strange... It, it, yeah, it's, it's it's a really weird noise, and it it, it really that really bothered me. I know some people when they think about sound, they probably sort of associate songs or you know mm. things that they remember being on the radio. But I had a massive issue with music; I wouldn't right. listen to anything at all. Okay. So if I if I got in the car to drive to the hospital, I would turn the radio off um, right. and just drive in silence because I was really. It, it just it sounds really irrational now, but I felt like if I if I heard a song that I liked and I enjoyed it, I would feel really guilty because Aww. he was really sick, and I just didn't Aww. want to. I just couldn't cope with feeling any enjoyment of any description. Um, so I, I didn't listen to music at all. I just used to make sure that the radio was off every time I got in the car, and then his cry as well. That's that's another thing. Um, I really wanted him to cry, you know, he didn't cry for ages. And then the, f- the first time I did, it just, it broke my heart because it just sounded so weak and pathetic and Aww. really pained. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it just, it, it just really broke my heart. I just wanted, mm. I don't know, maybe I was just expecting this like big cry, you know, big powerful yeah. cry because he was getting better. And it, it wasn't like that. It just, I just remember it made me really sad. I just remember that the unit was always so busy and so noisy Mm. and not just with monitors or with with alarms, just with people. There was never anywhere to go where it was quiet, even when you wanted Mm. it to be. It's just, it was just always so busy. Um, And sometimes that was good because, you know, it it kept your mind busy and, you know, there was people to talk to, but then sometimes... It wasn't because you just wanted some silence and just some headspace and you could never get it. 
only place where I found any peace and quiet was the expressing where we would go and express and then the noise of the bloody breast breast pump (laughs) (laughs) if I never hear that noise again I'll be a happy woman oh well you know I still I still express for Ted and oh um, do you it's it's funny because there are so many videos of him where you know he's been doing something funny he'll be sat in his walker or sat in his high chair while I express during the day because otherwise he'd be trying to escape so I sit him in there and if he's doing something funny I'll film him and there are so many videos in the background where you can just hear yeah yeah yeah, it is it's not a nice sound at all is it no and I remember doing it in the night and I remember Gareth waking up one night and saying oh it's really therapeutic that that noise it's almost (laughs) hypnotizes me and I just wanted to punch him (laughs) it's just not a noise that it's yeah there's no pleasure in that noise at all definitely not (laughs) with phrases gosh I mean how how quickly do you pick up the the lingo and the acronyms I suppose you know it's just we were talking about CRP and you know HB and all sorts before we knew it it's just bizarre how quick you pick things up okay then so we'll move on to taste now um in in the very early days when I because I stayed in hospital for five days after he was born not because I was ill because I wasn't I was I, I was really well but just because they let us stay um just so that we could be close by because he was poorly um and I just remember jam on toast they would just bring me jam on toast and it was cut you know everyone says NHS toast is the best toast but literally it would turn my stomach the jam on toast um and I went for ages where I literally couldn't even look at jam any sort of jam at all I'm not I'm I'm not that bad now right but yeah, it, it was just a real trigger for me. And if the toast was cold as well. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, I I really struggled. But I don't I don't have a massive sweet tooth. I'm a savory person. Right. But when when Tom was born, I just remember that we just ate so much chocolate. And it's just not my thing. I can go for months without chocolate, but we just ate loads of it. And, yeah. and that was constant and I remember we would go through one of the giant bars of Toblerone and I mean the big ones you know where you can't like even bite airport. the triangle it's, yeah we would go through one in a day the two of us <laughs> easily and it was Twixes and Kit Kats and Crunches and oh it was just constant chocolate and that was the biggest thing that I ate the most was chocolate and I didn't like changing anything and I remember I used to always get a drink from the shop in the morning they had a a Costa machine yeah um and I would always get a coffee in the morning and the again just completely irrational um but I always had a latte yeah and I remember this one day I got a cappuccino instead of a latte and Tom had a really bad day and he went back on the vent and from that day I was convinced it was because I'd had a cappuccino not the latte because I changed something right and that just sounds really irrational and stupid, but I, I'd convinced myself it's because I had that drink. It's because I changed my routine. So how did you fit meal times in around that? Um, or did you not? It, no. So I, I think when at first when Gareth was with me at the hospital, I did because mm. he 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 you know made sure that we had stuff to eat and things yeah but then once I think once I started to get into the routine and he went back to work and I would come on my own um 
it was just chocolate or crisps or whatever because I didn't want yeah. to leave. I didn't want to leave the cot no. to go and get something yeah. proper to eat. Um, mm. So I probably only really ate well if other people took care of that for me, like my mum, you know, my mum would always yeah. make sure we still had a Sunday dinner or um, a chilli or something or a, yeah. a lasagna. Um, yeah. It just wasn't a priority for me at all. No. It was just, and I, I love yeah. food. I'm a big foodie. Um, yeah. But yeah, food was just fuel, really, I think. Yeah. So um, let's move on to smell. Any specific smells that stick in your head? So the the smell that I don't like, and I don't even know what it is, but there's some cleaning fluid that they use, and I don't smell it all the time when I go in there now. Um, but every now and again, I'll just get a whiff of it, mm. and it really makes me sick to the stomach. Right. Um, I just can't stand it, and it just it just reminds me of a really horrible time. Um, mm. I, I just remember being really sad and feeling really desperate and distraught. And smelling this smell and now if I ever smell it it, it takes me straight back there um mm. but I think the smell that sticks out the most is the smell of Tom um oh. this sounds really horrible but he stunk <laughs> and <laughs> he, he smelled really funky in the early days because obviously yeah. he was in the incubator which was full of yeah. humidity and and really warm yeah. and he didn't have a bath for months no. No. um and it was a, it was a really unpleasant smell but oh. that one that I actually loved as oh, well, you know, I would, I would, I would have a cuddle, and he, he had a really like cheesy head. It just smelled really <laughs> cheesy, but I really liked it. It was his yeah. smell, oh, and it just, yeah. even though it, 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 it probably wasn't the nicest smell. No. It was just, I just remember, yeah, that that smell. It just, yeah, yeah. I can, I can, I can almost smell it now. And then oh. his first bath, when the first time yeah. that he a bath and I washed him and he, he smelled like he smelled like a baby you know that yeah there's just that smell in the baby's yeah. baby smell um yeah. and it was the first time he'd had you know clothes that I'd washed at home and it oh, and he just smelled yeah. he smelled lovely and his breath his milky oh. breath I loved oh. the smell of his milky yeah. breath when I was cuddling him I remember always and this makes me a weirdo but I'm sure you'll understand uh liking the smell of his poo oh know, yeah no absolutely it to me almost like caramel it smells cream <laughs> yeah but it's because it, you know it's milk isn't it so so it's gonna smell and they're not having anything else so it's just going in one end straight out the other with a bit of processing in the middle whatever happens and yeah then, I, I get that I think it smells yeah. like sour cream quite quite pleasant yeah a bit like green pringles yeah it does yeah it does sour cream pringles if anybody's listening tuck it into a kind of green pringles Pringles yes sorry about that we'll have to put a warning at the start of the podcast yeah mentions poo yeah don't eat pringles while listening okay so we're getting through these quite quickly, but we're already on to sight. His first photo, I think, I found really hard, still find really hard to look at, um, right. which I didn't take. Gareth took it. Um, but it was when he was on the resuscitator and they'd taken him away. Um, yeah. And I don't know what it's called, but, you know, the metal thing that they use to open their airways. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, he's got that. He's, he's, oh. It's that, and it's just this, this little tiny head. 
um, with that. And even now, I find I find that really horrifying. I find, yeah. I find it really hard to look at. Yeah. Um, but I've got I've got loads of selfies <laughs> as well from from when he went in the nursery, and you know you had the curtains then, and you had that little yeah. bit of privacy that you'd cry. Yeah. Um, I took loads of selfies, and I mean hundreds of just me and him in in all different Aww. like really stupid poses that I've never really shown anybody. <laughs> well, I just got all these really really daft selfies, and I've even got one of him, and I love this photo. And I, again, I've not really shared it. Um, I've been breastfeeding as well, um, so it's just my big white boob that <laughs> <laughs> you know because you clearly don't see daylight. We've no. got um, and then just latched on, and it was just oh. best because you know he still had he still had his NG tube in, and he obviously yeah. still had his oxygen in. But yeah. I just loved it because he was feeding at last. Yeah. If you think back about sight, I mean, I knew every poster in that unit word for word, every yes. bit of chipped paint, you know, every <laughs> mark on the floor. Yeah. I, I just knew inch every inch of the yeah. unit. I really yeah. did, and I, I can just recall every every detail because yeah. um, we've seen it that much. But I yeah. think probably my favourite photos are when he came home, I think, oh, because yeah. I really wanted photos of him with his brother and sister, oh. um, and they never really came on the unit very much right. because Daisy was so young. She was only 16 yeah. months, so she was a baby. Um, and Sam had just started sixth form college. Right. Um, so they just never really were around on the unit and no. I just really wanted photos of them together. So my yeah. favourite my favourite images are definitely the, the ones that we took when he first came home. Right, so we're already on to touch, which is our, our last sense to discuss. So I'm probably going to sound really strange now compared to what other people might tell you, but my first cuddle was actually really stressful. Um, we didn't have I didn't get a cuddle until Tom was two weeks old Um, and I was really nervous as is everybody you know about cuddling him with all the tubes and the wires Um, but every time he came out for a cuddle stuff went wrong you know it it was always he'd have to get the neo puff on him or you know we'd have to go back in because he he just just everything always seemed to go wrong and I would I would sit there and I would be scared to breathe in case a bit of breath went on him that might be, you know, have some crazy germ in it that, yeah. that could do untold damage. Yeah. Um, I'd be absolutely dripping in sweat because I'd be oh. so stressed and anxious. I'd be yeah. too warm. My face would be beetroot. Mm. I just found it really stressful. I just found skin to skin really, really stressful. And I didn't enjoy it at first at all. I... Um and I, I I would sit there and I'd be cuddling him and obviously I loved I loved him, yeah. um, but I'd be thinking is it I've had him out long enough now is it okay to to say can I put him back Yeah, you know, are they going to think bad if if I ask now to put him yeah. back because I really I've had enough but then once I could get him out myself and you know I could just open the incubator and he he, he was just on his um, vapor therm and low flow yeah. it was a whole different ball game because then I yeah. loved getting him out yeah. and I didn't want to put him back. No, same here. I remember texting my sister. Um, it must have been, he must have maybe just been on um, vapor firm by this point because I remember texting her saying, for the first time, I got to hold him like a baby. 
Yeah. Because, you know, when he's when they're on the vent, that they're up here, aren't they? And you're very but then as wires start disappearing, you can hold him just in your arms, cradling like a baby. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's when it becomes nice. And it's those little things, isn't it, that people have always taken for granted, you know. Yeah. That it's just so special to just have your baby that's just swaddled and just in a yeah. normal hold. In terms of feel uh emotionally what about when it was kind of time for you're going to be allowed home now he's doing better how did you feel at that point um so for me it, it I never believed in in the first place that we would take him home I always was waiting for something to go wrong um right in, and you know even even in the early days when they would say you know when you take him home and, and, and I would be like what am I going to take him home? You know, it, it, yeah. it was really hard to get my head around that. Um, I wanted to take him home. Of course I did. You know, I wanted to bring him home and to the kids and everything else. But I wasn't ready. I'm not going to lie. I was absolutely terrified of leaving those doctors and nurses behind. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really was. Um, but I missed it all as well so much once Aww. we did come home. I missed, yeah. you know, I'd spent more time with them doctors and nurses than I'd spent with my own family. Of course. So yeah. it, it was it was massive, massive adjustment, I think. And we just went through a complete range of emotions in the time that we were there, you know, from the, the, the depths of despair and mm-hmm. fear to, you know, feeling absolutely elated. Yeah. Um, but what I do remember is, that I didn't feel when we brought him home, you know, and everybody said, oh, I bet you can't wait to get him home. And it, it mm. sort of built myself up for this feeling of euphoria when we took him yeah. home. And I didn't get that at no. all. It was it was almost like, and my husband put this into really good, um, we, we talked about it and he said, and I, I completely agree, he'd, he'd made himself get to a place where he couldn't cope with being up there and down there really quickly so he had to get himself in the middle and the only way right. he could do that was to 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 make himself feel numb so just right. go through it completely numb don't 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 get too excited about yeah. anything and just mm-hmm. stay numb and I think that's kind of what I the way I got through it as well and yeah when I when I brought him home don't get me wrong you know it was it it was exciting but I sort of felt like something would change that day yeah. when we brought him home and it didn't. Yeah. It still felt dead scary and mm-hmm. trauma. You know, we'd yeah. been through so much trauma. Yeah. It just, it just didn't feel like I would expect it to. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that completely. So, um, tell us how's how's Tom doing now. He's doing good. He's seven. Um, yeah. He was seven in January. He's at school. Um, He's doing really well. Yeah, he's he's a he's a little firecracker. <laughs> um, he's got a couple of sensory needs, and he's a right. little bit delayed in school. But on the whole, he's been right. off oxygen now since he was eighteen months old. Brilliant. Um, he's funny. He's energetic. He's cheeky. He's everything that little boys should be. 
Okay, Kirsten, thank you so much for giving up your time and speaking to us today. It's been so lovely to hear your story, the ups and downs and everything that you went through. So thank you so much. Oh, um, thank you, Emma. It's been oh, lovely. Welcome. Thank you. All right, then. I'll, uh, I'll see you soon. Take care. Bye. 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 That's all for today. So thank you for listening. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. If you think you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, you can get in touch via email at sensingniku at gmail.com and why not follow us on Twitter at sensingniku. To read about my IVF and NICU journey, feel free to take a look at my blog, Head of Drama, Tales of Teddy. Finally, if you'd like to show support for families experiencing neonatal care, please consider donating to Spoons, a charity very close to my heart. Any amount will be so greatly appreciated. Links to both my blog and the Spoons website can be found in the episode description. Thanks again for listening and take care. See you later.